Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wu Wings, a virtual restaurant concept from the man himself, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Enjoy the legendary flavors and world championship wings by ordering with your Uber Eats or Postmates app. Wu Wings is now open in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Florida, as well as Huntsville and Tuscaloosa in Alabama, with many more locations coming soon. Try the only chicken wings worthy of carrying the name of the 16-time World Heavyweight Champion. Tell them, Nate. Wings! Legendary flavors! World Championship Wings! Woo! Woo Wings! Yeah! Woo-woo! Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She booted. She booted. What a rib. No, you have a There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. Was he there? I was there. I don't give a shit. I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shock him. You, Bruce. Ah, Conrad Thompson, and thanks for tuning in for Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. 
Unfortunately, Bruce is in Saudi Arabia. Of course, tomorrow is the big crown jewel show. And I, for one, am pretty excited about that. Uh, the actual whole card is uh, looking pretty spiffy. But that main event, man, I had a big debate this week with, uh, with our old pal, Double J. wonder what he's up to these days. And to my surprise, it, uh, it got a little traction online. I just freestyled. Hey, what if I'm not saying it's going to happen, but what if Logan Paul shocks the world and somehow beats Roman reigns for the world title, man, that'd be crazy. Would it not? It would get a ton of press attention, especially with his brother, Jake Paul, just recently uh, beating Anderson Silva this past weekend. I don't know. It feels like it could be a media event. But if they don't go that way, and most folks don't believe that Logan Paul will actually pick up the win there, how do they end the reign of Roman Reigns? Will it be something that we wait around for the rock for? Is Cody Rhodes going to pop back up? Is it somebody else? I, uh, I'm actually interested in the world title more than I have been in a long time. Man, there's so much going on on Saturday. And that'll, I think about it. My, my Crimson Tide's playing LSU at night, which used to be a big deal. Maybe it'll be a fun game. All of college football, though, is talking about Georgia versus Tennessee. It's Tony Schiavone versus Jeff Jarrett. I think uh, I think Jeff Jarrett's had enough good luck lately. I think that Aaron Anderson and Tony Schiavone and Cody Rhodes, Georgia Bulldogs, are going to pull it out. But then, as if that wasn't enough, we've also got Game 6 of the World Series. I know I've got uh, a lot of folks who work with us uh, in and around this program who are big Phillies fans. Shout out to Joe. But our old pal Mattress Mac, I think the rumor is he's going to make tens of millions of dollars if the if the Astros pull this off. I, I'm into it, man. Game six, Saturday is going to be busy. Uh, but, of course, today we're supposed to be in your ear holes, Bruce and I, talking about uh, Survivor Series 1997. Well, it didn't happen. Uh, though we had every intention of recording, and uh, he wound up going to Saudi Arabia sooner than I thought he would. Uh, our schedules just didn't click. So instead what we're doing is a little Montreal screw job remix. Now you may remember, uh, this is actually one of the first episodes that we recorded here on something to wrestle way back when, and boy, it sure did piss off Bruce Mitchell. Bruce was a friend of mine who uh, used to write for the torch. I don't reckon he does anymore. Um, anyway, he's a longtime friend of Dave Meltzer as well. So I guess Bruce called, uh, Dave and, and told him. Hey man, here's what was said and you wouldn't believe it and blah, blah, blah. So then Meltzer went on one of his shows and, and talked about, uh, the, the podcast and maybe not so favorable terms and man, a new feud was born or at least revitalized. Uh, Bruce came here on the program and, and called, uh, Bruce Mitchell, a, um, I think it was a Greensboro jackoff. I think that was the phrase. Uh, and that was sort of laughed off. I think, uh, Bruce saw the humor in that. But I don't know that uh, Dave and, and, and Bruce Pritchard have been the same since. So it started a big debate. Of course, Bruce is still staunch in his belief. I was hoping to talk about the rest of the pay-per-view and not just the screw job. But I did speak to a few new voices over the years. This time last year, I sat down with uh, our old pal Jerry Briscoe, and he told the entire story of everything that happened that day in Montreal. We've got clips from that for you here. And brand new clips from this week where we talked to Jim Ross and Mick Foley on their podcast. I want to give a plug. If you haven't already, we covered the second half of Brett's 1997 with uh, Jim Ross this week on grilling Jr. 
So it's not just the screw job, but everything that led up to it, uh, you know, from SummerSlam on down the line. And then of course, on the other channel, uh, the brand new podcast and boy, people really are enjoying Foley's pod. I hope you'll check it out coming up real soon. We're going to talk about the King of the death match from 1995. I think it was a phenomenal episode. But the episode about the Montreal screw job is interesting from Foley's perspective. He's the only guy who boycotts and doesn't show up to work after it all goes down with Bret Hart in Montreal. And we talk about who called him, when they called, the conversation with Vince, the conversation with Corny, the conversation with JR. We've got clips from both Jim Ross's grilling JR and Mick Foley's Foley's pod this week. And if you like what you hear, go out of your way. You'll find those shows, hit the subscribe button and take a listen to the full episode. Hey, so listen real quick, before we get into the remix and just catching you up on the Montreal screw job, I just want to add a little bit of context and remind everybody what all has happened as we head towards this, I guess, collision course, if you will, Bret Hart beat Ric Flair for the world title in October of 1992. He becomes the world champion for the very first time and through 93 94, 95, Bret Hart is the face that runs the place. He is the chosen one to follow Hulk Hogan and lead the company with this new generation. Now there is a hiccup along the way, and we're going to try something new with Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania nine, which we've talked about in the archives, but by and large, Bret Hart is that guy. Now, are there stops along the way with, uh, with a, with a diesel? with a Bob Backlund, with a Yokozuna. Sure, absolutely. But by and large, the centerpiece of the promotion is Bret Hart. And then in 1996, we decide it's time to transition to Shawn Michaels. So they build up a tremendous WrestleMania 12 match. And uh, afterwards, Bret goes away, learns a new hold, as Jim Ross would like to say. But while he's out, the NWO is born. While he's gone, so are Kevin Nash. So are Scott Hall and the NWO becomes a thing. And now Brett needs to sign. Allegedly, he had a huge offer from Eric Bischoff in WCW. Eric debates that in more recent years. Either way, the result is on a live Monday night raw. We find out supposedly it's not just us fans who find out, but it's also the WWE. They find out that Bret Hart will be returning. And the gist was WCW allegedly offered a lot more money on an annual basis than what Vince McMahon could pay. However, Vince convinced Brett WCW wouldn't know what to do with a Bret Hart. And it turns out maybe he was right, but still he offered Brett a long-term contract. What was essentially a lifetime deal, a 20 year deal that yes, it is for less money. But it keeps him here. It keeps his legacy intact, et cetera, et cetera. And we know the story, man. From there, Brett comes back and has a phenomenal match with Stone Cold at Survivor Series. Very quickly is in the mix for the world title. He should have won the doggone Royal Rumble, but that damn dirty Steve Austin cheated. So he did the final four concept in Chattanooga. But before we get there, and that was supposed to just crown a number one contender, well, somebody pulled up lame. Our world champion lost his smile and there's lots of, uh, side eyes at Shawn Michaels thinking maybe he just doesn't want to return the favor to Bret Hart and drop the title. 
So that's discussed and cussed and discussed for years and years. But the result is Brett does win the title, but immediately loses it to psycho Sid. Sid's in the main event now defending his world title at WrestleMania against the undertaker. But the result is Brett having arguably the best WrestleMania match of all time with stone cold, Steve Austin. And then he starts to reinvent himself. We get the heel turn. And that's so special. When you think about it, Brett's work from WrestleMania 13 until he leaves the company, I think you could put up there as the best work of his entire career. In my opinion, just phenomenal storyline after phenomenal storyline. The promos were second to none. These are my favorite Brett promos ever. And the entering stuff, man, was just magic. We get the incredible feud and the back and forth and Canadian stampede and an awesome SummerSlam. And oh, by the way, a real deal backstage fight with Shawn Michaels. The guys are taking jabs at each other, saying sunny days here and there. And man, you're messing with people's families. There's clumps of hair that are missing. And it all comes to a head when Vince McMahon comes to Brett in September, September 22nd, 1997, Monday night raw from Madison square garden. I can't honor your contract. Don't tell anybody. I don't want them to panic. I'm going to a regional promotion and I want you to be able to be taken care of. See if you can get that old offer from Eric Bischoff and, uh, we'll figure something out. He's telling him this as he's the champion, just two days after Shawn Michaels beat the British bulldog for the European title. My gosh, we're on a collision course. And it's going to be a mess. And then at some point, Brett sits down with Sean and says, Hey, I want you to know, uh, I'll drop the belt to you. I'll do what Vince asks. I'll do business. And Sean says something like, not me. I wouldn't do the same for you. And now we're here, a real impasse. How does this happen? How does Vince let this happen? Wow. The Montreal Screwjob. I don't think I'll ever get tired of talking about it, uh, but this is a Montreal Screwjob remix. I can't believe this is real, uh, but as we're uh, as we're talking now, we're just five days away from the 25th anniversary. This coming Wednesday will be exactly 25 years. As a wrestling fan, it's one of those things where I remember where I was, and I remember talking to people as soon as it was as it was over on the phone and just being blown away and shocked at what we saw. Like, I don't know what we expected, but we didn't expect that. So it felt like we should pay tribute to this, uh, monumental moment in time in wrestling hear from some different voices. So today you'll hear from Bruce in 2016, the very early days of something to wrestle. You'll hear from Jerry Briscoe in 2021, and you'll hear from Jim Ross and Mick Foley this week. And hopefully next week we pin Bruce down and we ask him, what the heck is up with Logan Paul being the champ? Okay. Maybe not that, but we will talk about, uh, survivor series and everything else right here on something to wrestle. So very special remix episode coming your way. Don't forget to tune into uh, crown jewel, the world series, Georgia, Tennessee, man, it's a cornucopia of sports entertainment. And, uh, we'll get your weekend started right now. With this very special remix, here's Bruce Pritchard from 2016, a very early episode of Something to Wrestle.
Whoa, 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 whoa. Before we get started, I want you to know how hard it is to do a remix. And I want you to know how hard your wiener can be with Blue Chew. Guys, come on now. You knew I had to do this. I'm so excited that Blue Chew is sponsoring this episode. Legitimately, they sponsor us each and every week because it really, really works. And let me ask you this. If you haven't tried Blue Chew yet, what are you waiting for? We all know that confidence can take you far in life, especially that's true in the bedroom. You know, when it's time to, um, step up to the plate, blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. So you can take them anytime day or night. You can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now the process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And here's the best part. It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy and Bluetooth tablets are made in the USA. They're prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. So if you can benefit from extra confidence, when it's time to perform, chew it and do it, have better sex. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Bluetooth free when you use our promo code wrestle at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is wrestle to receive your very first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank bluechew for sponsoring today's podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at mint mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash westwood1. All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash westwood1 now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash westwood1. You guys negotiate terms with Brett, and there's been a lot of talk about that contract. Was it really a 20-year deal? Yes. And, and do you remember, was it a million dollars a year for 20 years? Is that what the no, number was? No, it was not. No, it wasn't. It was it was staggering numbers. It, it was high during the times that Brett was wrestling. And on for TV. The remaining, yeah. For the remaining years that he had left to compete inside the ring. And then there was a period where he would appear periodically as a, as an attraction. And then there was a time that we wanted Brett to be a part of the office and be a part of the company, developing talent, working with talent behind the scenes. And how do you think Brett would have did in that role? I think Brett would have been a good teacher. I think Brett could, could help guys with telling stories in the ring. He had, 
look, say what you want to about Bret Hart. I didn't. I didn't say anything bad. People have. Okay. I, I probably have. Um, but Brett in the ring told beautiful stories. But you think he would have been a good teacher too? I'm not saying that I Brett do. couldn't have been. I'm just wondering what you think. I, I do think he 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 would have been a great teacher because Brett always asked the right questions. Okay. And he always would tell you why he did something and understood the psychology of why he was doing something. Well, did you have a conversation with Brett to know why he picked WWF over WCW at the time? Well, okay, let's, let's get to that. So the offers made, right? Brett didn't give us an answer for how long you remember that night on Monday night raw. Oh, come on. God is my witness. Uh-uh. Okay, uh-uh, because you know, because you were there. No, I'm just saying, that whole Vince acting, oh, my gosh, or thank goodness, that was a shoot. Brett didn't show up until one hour before we went live. Okay, so he told him backstage, and then... Yeah, but we weren't sure what he was going to do live, honest to God. We okay. were not really sure. Yes, he did tell us beforehand. He did. But he showed up an hour before. Which is uncharacteristic of him. Not really. Okay. But it's bad business. And with everything that was going on with Nitro yeah. stealing our guys. and People was, are on edge. It was a window. Yeah, it wasn't comfortable. Uh, I didn't think that was cool. Right. But he did show up late, told him what he was going to do. But there was still that, is he going to go out on live TV and say, I'm going to Nitro. Right. There was a little bit of that unknown. Um, now, a lot of people are going to say, well, of course you would have done that. But so I want to talk about this. He negotiated with WCW years before 1991 sure. and thought he could leave and then found out that his contract had rolled over. And Is he that was true? negotiating with WCW then. So the, the whole, there's a whole lot of Bret Hart, you know, super fans who say, oh, Bret would never do that. But in reality, he'd already done it once before. Right. Okay. Uh, so he makes the announcement in the ring and I assume the conversation had been when you come back, we'll put you with Steve at survivor series. Cause that was a month later. Well, I'm sure there was, there was discussion, you know, at the time, as far as we had an idea of what we wanted to do with Brett. Yeah. But there was also serious discussion, you know, okay. What if he leaves? Yeah. You know, there's discussion. What if he leaves and we get Hogan, but then there was also the very real possibility of what if we don't get Hogan and Brett leaves anyway? Yeah, I don't think that's a loss any of us wanted to take on. No disrespect to Razor Ramon or Diesel, but they felt like supporting characters. Brett was sort of the lead role. Yeah. And the idea that you're losing the lead role after you lost the previous lead role, which was Hulk Hogan, right. feels like a major loss for the company. Did you as a member of the locker room feel, it, feel that? Or did you think, we got Undertaker, Austin's getting hot. And maybe it's an opportunity for me. Do you process that differently as a member of the locker room? Uh, yeah, maybe in some small way. I thought there might be something in it for me, but I, I'm a believer that uh, the rising tide lifts yes. all boats. Yes. And uh, I thought we needed Brett as our captain. I did. I thought we'd be okay, but I was getting tired of losing every week. You know, I mean, I'm taking a choke slam on the ramp in the hopes of helping build a character because I'm hoping this is a character that can be part of that nucleus Yes, that, that leads us on. Um, so I'm taking all this stuff seriously and uh, a lo the loss of Bret Hart would be a big deal. Keep in mind though, 
uh, we've talked about in uh, previous episodes that I needed to keep focused. Yes. And especially when the uh, the wrestling newsletters were down on the uh, on dude, didn't yes. understand the evolution of the characters. I don't think they understood that a guy was going out of his way to not be nearly as good as he could be. Yes. Um, I didn't having my feelings hurt or my uh, confidence rattled wasn't going to lead to me being better. That was my feeling. I did not know how to use the internet, so I would not have been privy to a lot of the rumblings. So I, I, I at least I don't recall any rumblings because what ended up taking place was absolutely shocking to me. And this is coming from a guy who, who rode with and spent a lot of time with Owen. I guess my question is, did you know at that point, I mean, do you find out the day of I'm telling no. Brett today, or did you know a couple of days before at one night only? No, I didn't know before one night only. He, I didn't know that I, I was not aware of our dire, uh, financial situations, even though I don't know what the timeline was Connie, but you know, a lot of us, including, uh, our pal Bruce got cuts yeah that would have been before because that's when jj left right jj yeah. left after that so right and then bruce and i shared that job then bruce moved more into creative because that's really his gift and he did a, does a great job in that respect uh and then i took over as talent head of talent relations yeah bruce just told the story that man he loved the idea of moving up until he actually sat in that talent relations <laughs> seat and then realized very quickly nope not for me yeah no and he and I, I enjoyed working the Bruce in that role, but you can tell he, he loved creative, right? And he still does love creative and, and that's cool. But I, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, it's just, you, I, I start talking about this damn thing and I get frustrated, Conrad. Yeah. I lose my train of thought because it's like, what the fuck are we thinking? Right. How could this continue to linger? I'm not a big on the lingering, man. I like to, if I got a problem, I want to face it head on. You're a bandaid kind of guy. Let's what pull, do you mean? I mean, let's pull the bandaid off. You know, yeah. we, like there's two schools of thought, I guess, but the, the one I always hear is we got to just rip the bandaid off. You're the, let's just get it over with. Let's address that matter at hand yeah. and move on. Let's solve the problem. Sticking our let's head address in the, the problem. is not a, a strategy. Right. Yeah. So listen, this is all going to come to a head just two days after one night only. And if you've never seen that show, go out of your way to watch it. Uh, Brett even mentions in his book, he thinks it's his last great match in the WWF. And that is, is, uh, enough reason to go out of your way to watch it. So it happens two days later, Madison square garden, big old show. This is the show where Steve Austin is going to go ahead and stun Vince McMahon. They're going to quote unquote, arrest stone cold. We see the debut of uh, Cactus Jack as a character, just a loaded show, a really, right. really cool show. And Vince tells Brett just hour, just minutes maybe before they go on TV, because Brett was late to the building, which some people say was a Brett move. Uh, <laughs> Vince tells him, Hey, I'm going to have to breach your contract, but quote, I'll make it up to you on the back end." And he even tells Brett that he's heard Hulk Hogan is finishing up soon and his timing couldn't be more perfect. Now, of course he's heard that because allegedly Hulk is trying to get with Vince and just see if there's an opportunity for him to come back. Brett would write this. He went on to say that if I left, I would actually be doing him a favor 
because he was about to downsize into a Northeastern U.S. promotion. Because of my 14 years of loyal service, he said, he wanted to give me the opportunity to approach WCW before anyone else did, since he'd be letting a lot of wrestlers grow. He described to me as being the first guy in the lifeboat, quote, you don't even have to drop the belt if you don't want to. You hold all the cards. He even said that he would secretly help me negotiate my deal if I wanted. His final words to me were that he'd see whether he could find the money somewhere to pay me, but for now, I shouldn't breathe a word to anybody. If the news leaked out that Vince was in trouble, it would hurt my chances with Bischoff. Hurt my chances? I was stunned by how many promises he broke in one short conversation that I didn't even know how to reply. So his whole career here that he thinks he's got mapped out. And as a reminder, he took less money to come work here in 1996, as opposed to going to work for WCW. And he says a lot of that was because of loyalty and because Vince would sell him on the fact that they wouldn't know how to handle a hitman character. You know, I, I think uh, I, a lot of this stuff that Vince is uh, selling, uh, I wouldn't buy. Most people would buy. You're not buying it. No. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I just, again, I, this blows me away that, the, that we let this thing degenerate to this level. Yes. Uh, quite frankly. And, and it's just so damn, you can tell my, my emotions today. This is not we're reliving this damn thing. It's just uh, daunting to be honest with you. And if you, and cause I was just in it part-time, I was in it every day, right? All day. And you never knew when the phone rang, what's what bad news we're going to get here now. That's right. And, and that's kind of where we were. It's a real shame. Um, but let's, let's unpack all this. Did you ever hear, I'm boy, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but you're in the inner circle. Did you ever hear Vince talk about scaling back to just being a Northeast promotion? No. Ever, not ever, not one time. He didn't, I never even heard him in ferret. So no, absolutely not. Do you remember there being discussions of cutting numerous wrestlers and trying to scale back? Yeah. We had to get the budget under control. Right. And that was a part of that process. Absolutely. It's just interesting to me that at the time when we're saying we're cutting back, we're also bringing in the Patriot. Now, granted, he's probably not a huge line item, but still no. it, it, it doesn't necessarily lend itself to. All right, we're sca- we're laying off. Uh, we're also hiring. Usually, you do one in the absence of the other. Um, did you know this conversation was going to happen, or does he tell you after the fact? After the fact, yeah, yeah. Because I, I think he knew that I would try to talk him out of it, right? And he didn't want to deal with that. So no, I I knew about it after the, after the fact, and uh, when, it was, when it was too late to do anything about it. We couldn't put the, we couldn't put the, what's that old saying that Jenny back, Jenny got out of the bottle or whatever the hell it was already out there. Right. And so, uh, but I had no clue he was going to do that to that degree. I know we had issues, right. You know, like you, like we, you and I alluded to, uh, you know, several in the wrestling world and our, our whole department got, I got some pay cuts. cuts, pretty substantial big, 50%. Big, yeah. Big time. I'm not talking about just a couple of bucks here. So, uh, it was, uh, we knew things are changing, but to the, de- to the degree where you're going to withdraw your offer to Bret Hart and let him leave. Uh, I just thought that was poor business. 
and there's listen, gotta be a, there's gotta be a solution, Conrad. There's gotta be some sort of compromise or solution, because I can assure you that Brett had no, uh, major burning desire to bolt. No, he loved WWE. He was loyal. He was dedicated he had years and years of service. Uh, so, you know, he, he, he wanted this matter to be addressed and be solved so we could all get back to the process of doing business. You know, we had a, we were building a hell of a roster at that point in time. And, uh, but nobody in my view, Austin became the most valuable guy Yes. at that point in time. He wasn't, uh, but Brett was. Well, so now we're in a spot where when this meeting happens in September and, and Brett is told, Hey, I can't iron all the contract. So if you want to go negotiate with WCW and see if you can get that same deal that you passed up on a year ago, by all means do. Now what's weird is Brett is the current world champion at the time. And we're, we're starting to build towards of course, survivor series. And that's what we're going to get to, but. Were you concerned when, when you knew that the chairman was having this conversation with Brett and he was the champion, did you think maybe he should have gotten the belt off him before he had that conversation? That was brought up, but it, you know, at Vince in those days and, and I, I he probably still is. I mean, you know, we, we build out a program that's lasting to, to a certain, certain blow off. And that, that was built up, but Vince had taken Brett and Brett is such a professional that, you know, we didn't figure that there'd be any issues with it and everything. So, uh, I, I, in hindsight, it's easy to look back and say, yeah, we should have taken it from him before we ever, we ever got in that situation, but, but we didn't. And, and, you know, it all came down to what it came down to. All right. Time out right now. We're about to talk into the who knew what, when, where, and why, right? Because that's what everybody wants to know on the other side of this. Who knew? Well, I need to make sure that you know this Thanksgiving that you got smooth balls, son. Everybody loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert with the help of Manscaped's performance package 4.0. The leaders in the below the waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Picture this. You're going to tell your in-laws about your new cutting edge ball trimmer and give yourself or your man in your life, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, trim those pumpkins, baby, save 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscape.com forward slash S T W. Think your holiday spread is good. Well, it's time to give thanks with the Manscaped performance package 4.0, or as I like to call it the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find their new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, their Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, the Performance Boxer Briefs, and of course, a travel bag to hold your goodies. Think of it as a cornucopia for your balls. Their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blade technology. It's going to help reduce those accidents thanks to that advanced skin safe technology. But maybe my favorite. It's the ability to turn on a 4,000 K led spotlight. Yeah, that's right. Let's see them up close. Let's see them bright and shiny and it's waterproof. I want to mention it's also got the new weed whacker inside this performance package 4.0. I use that to trim my nose and ear hairs. And, uh, at 41 years old, I have more than ever. Now, thanks to this 9,000 RPM motor and a 360 degree rotary dual blade system. I don't have to worry about that anymore. And I don't worry about. Nicks or snags or tugs. Once again, 
proprietary skin safe technology. Now the liquid formulations for manscaped, this is where it gets really fun. They got ball deodorant y'all. It's called the crop preserver and they got toner spray. So you don't want them boys sagging in the water. Well, crop reviver to the rescue. And as if that's not enough, you got the new shower products. Check this out. The body buffer, the body wash. That's right. Clean your dirty ass gimmicks up, right? Now I want to mention the newest and coolest and latest and greatest manscaped has deodorant. Now y'all, they really do have everything in this performance package 4.0 and gifting manscaped is the ultimate hack to become the family favorite. I still challenge you. Hey, um, mother-in-law, could you pass the macaroni and know that you're passing them to some smooth balls? Let's just try it. What's she going to say? What's the worst that could happen? Save 20% off plus free shipping. I go into manscaped.com forward slash STW. That's right. 20% off plus free shipping. I go into manscaped.com forward slash STW. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from manscaped. Your balls will thank you. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So when you find out the week before the pay-per-view, had you guys already started discussing what was going to happen as far as how the belt would be taken off? There's been lots of debate about would it be at Survivor Series, would it be at Raw after? Uh, what do you remember about that? Oh no, there was it was always we needed to do it at the pay per view. Okay, so that was the internal talk. We're going to do it at the pay per view. From your perspective, what comes back to you? Like, does Vince come in and say he doesn't want to drop the damn belt now? No, it was, Brett was a part of that decision and Brett was a part of helping us come up with an idea on how to get the belt off of him. And what we do, we explain that, you know, when I say we, it was Vince, I was privy to those conversations right. as a witness. Um, but it was simply, this is what we have to do. All right. You understand what we have to do. And he understood what we had to do and help us, help us get there. And it just, it was like pulling teeth. It was very difficult. Um, Brett never, to my recollection, you know, he didn't like dropping the belt, didn't want to drop the belt in, uh, Montreal. And, but he was willing to do it. He indicated, you know, I'll do it. We just got to figure out how we're going to do it. So it's your, but trying to figure out how we're going to do it, you know, as Randy Savage used to say, you win them in the ring and you lose them in the ring. Um, it was, it was difficult to, that, that's the best way I can describe trying to come up with a scenario. Give me an example. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. It, it just was freestyle different. suggestion. I, yeah. You get Hunter involved and I don't know. And we do something and it backfires or Owen comes in and it backfires. And then we can do something with Owen and, and Davey there were, and again, the specifics, I don't know if that was it, but there were, there were specifics, there were different things and, and it was thrown back 
okay, Brett, you don't like that. What about this? Give me an idea. Yeah. Or give me something. Sure. Give me something you do like. And we didn't get a lot of feedback, if any. So it was frustrating in that regard that everything that we threw out was, no, I don't want to do that. But we didn't get anything. How about this? So it, it was just difficult. And, and we had, um, you know, come up. I, I don't even remember what the hell they'd come up with, frankly. But it was, well, the- talk to Pat Patterson, come up with something. But then, you know, of course, the Wrestling with Shadows documentary bullshit that they did with Brett wearing a wire in talking with Vince alone, which was Vince didn't talk to Brett alone through any of that until that one time when he got him, you know, and it was, and, you know, Vince. So you said bullshit and then you said he got him. So you still hold a lot of animosity towards that film or the practices that it took to get that recording. I don't think that it was, you know, that's not real ethical to send one guy in with a wire and, and record him while he's having a private business meeting with someone else. I don't like that. I don't think that's necessarily ethical. You know we're recording this conversation. Yeah, I do. Okay. I'm well aware of that. I'm just kidding. Well, I want to talk about Wrestling with Shadows for a minute. Yeah. Because this is another thing that I feel like wouldn't have happened a year before or even a year after. A year prior, you know, we're we're not sure about talking about the the baby faces hugging the heels in the ring. And now we're going to show the behind the scenes of professional wrestling. We're going to show the undertaker on a freaking payphone. Uh, just things that we wouldn't normally see. Were you surprised that Vince went along with the idea of yeah. filming for wrestling with shadows? I, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that type of access, because we just did our episode about beyond, beyond the, the mat, mat, but beyond the mat, wasn't the first one to do it. Wrestling with shadows was yes, like unprecedented backstage access it seemed like now i do want to ask you know you're here in montreal it's a hot crowd this canada usa angle has been white hot you know there's been a personal issue you you know through the the uh, telephone telegram telewrestler that brett's going to be leaving did you know before the match went in the ring what the finish was i did not and it was through watching Wrestling with Shadows, Brett thought it was going to be a schmoz. A schmoz. And he was good with that. He was going to show up on, he was going to give the title back. He wasn't going to throw it in the garbage. He was going to give it back. And uh, I had no idea that there had been a plan to relieve belt, uh, to relieve Brett unwillingly of the belt. Did, so not, not from watching the movie, just from locker room chatter, just from camaraderie amongst the boys. Did you know that Brett was going to forfeit the title? Or did you not know any of the creative just figured no. They'll figure it out. I don't think, I think what I may have done is I may have read The Observer after the fact and found out that I was one of the guys that Brett was willing to drop the title to. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of blissfully naive at the time. So I didn't know anything more than what was uh, appearing before my eyes. Along the way, of course, we've got to negotiate what the finish is going to be. Lots of folks have claimed credit for it over the years. I think most believe it was probably Jim Cornette who suggested, you know, once upon a time, and he referenced that there was another moment in history where a quote unquote screw job happened. Do you believe the credit for that idea 
Boy, that's probably not the right phrase. Do you believe that maybe Cornette reminded people that there is another option? Uh, I can see Corny doing that, and uh, and 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 rightfully so. I mean, it was an option. Was it the best option? I don't know about that, but it was an option. You get the championship off of uh, Brett in a very controversial way, and and, and it was damn sure controversial. So, uh, but I that's where. I started tapping out on, on some of this stuff in that Montreal uh, weekend. It was just, you know, come on, man, what, what, we're making some crazy decisions here. And sometimes you think Vince is going into business for himself, which he could, he owned the company, he signed the checks as his cash. Yeah. But, uh, it just was a wrong route and the communication as we pointed out, uh, two or three things here. Why do we do that? What did that help? How did that help? Well, it didn't help through all the bullshit backstage and the, the office politics, which is just, somebody's going to think or should understand by now, if you're a fan, especially of this show for very long, the office office politics in pro wrestling are just abysmal to be around. And we had a whole bunch of that at that point in time there in WWE and uh, it was no fun. Always putting the fire out. He said this. Did you hear what he said? What are you guys going to do about that? You guys, you guys, what are you guys going to do about that? And, uh, but Brett had more of a, he had more support within the locker room than Sean did. Sean had a small, small following in that respect. However, uh, uh, it was just a, a matter of, can we just get past this shit? Can we just get past the, and I think a lot of it had to do with, with Vince, uh, Vince was so close to Brett for a long, long time. And then Sean comes back and they, and Vince and Sean seemingly make amends and they take some of Vince's time. And I don't think Brett appreciated that or liked that because he, he thought he deserved preferential treatment. And I think he did, uh, his, his contributions were amazing. Uh, he, he's one of the most respected guys that I've ever worked with speaking of Brett. So, uh, but it was just a, every day was another adventure, Conrad. Every day was another challenge. Supposedly, uh, there's a phone call that happens and Hunter is the one who suggests quote unquote fucking him. Uh, is that the way you remember it or well, where, there were a lot of people that suggested it. Okay. Who else suggested it? Do you want I, to- I suggested it. Jim Cornette suggested it. Hunter suggested it. So it wasn't a, a revolutionary idea. Lots of people were like, if we don't want to drop the belt, we'll make him drop the belt. Exactly. Been done before. And supposedly, um, Sean asked Briscoe to show him some holds in case he had to defend himself. Is that true or false? It's true. Okay. So let's talk about, um, who knew and who didn't know, you know, as the story goes, uh, you were asked to go talk to Sean the night before and show him a thing or two in case he needed to protect himself. Is that a real story or is that just a telephone, telegram, telewrestler? Well, I, I heard Jr. say he didn't think it was possible, you know, and then Jr.'s right. He, I, you can't teach a guy how to defend a self in, in a couple hour session. I, 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 I I'm, I'm going to take you back. I'm going to start from, from the beginning. The night before on Saturday, I, on on, uh, on on 
Friday before I left for Montreal. I left on Saturday, and uh, and we had our media, our post, uh, our pre-production meeting on on Saturday. But on Sunday, I got uh, Friday, I think it was. I got a call from Vince, and Vince had uh, had gotten kind of word that Brett wasn't going to drop the title, and uh, wanted to come up with with deals. And I I basically did the same thing everybody else did, suggested other people. That's not our program, you know. We can't do it. And then at the last minute, you know, if we'd slipped a ringer in there, Brett would have known what was going on and might have walked out of the ring. And as you've heard a million times, uh, Vince's number one slogan, number one marching uh, mantra is get the match in the ring. Yep. Do what you got to do, but get the match in the ring. And so that's what we were concerned about is giving the people what they were paying for and actually giving the people what they wanted. So uh, I made the trip up to... Uh, up to Montreal, as we all did, to, for a pre-production meeting on Saturday night. There's the, the usual group of suspects in there from uh, from Vance, Kevin Dunn, uh, the TV uh, uh, producer, and uh, J.R. Cornette, uh, Bruce, and uh, and all the agents that was working that show, Pat. And everything. And Pat was assigned, as he usually was, the Brett and Sean match because Pat was a great uh, negotiator with these two uh, kids. They both had the utmost respect for Pat, so Pat, Pat usually handled that match. So we went through the... Uh, through all the list of deals, and I thought we were going to be on uh, on uh, video here too. So I even wore a, a Survivor Series shirt and uh, and uh, and have my run sheet from 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 the from that particular uh, uh, Survivor Series. So we ran through all the deals, and we got to the last match. And everybody was kind of waited with the old uh, bated breath, you know, to see exactly what we we're going to do. And, uh, you know, I didn't have time because Vince got, uh, got to Montreal late as he usually does. And, uh, and by the way, I had to wait for another billionaire to get on this call and ran me 30 minutes late, but I'm used to dealing, dealing with you, you type of people there. So we had a production meeting. We got down to that last match. Last match, Bret Hart versus, uh, Shawn Michaels for the, for the, for the title. And so, uh, Vance looked at us, said to be determined meeting adjourned. Mm. And we all got, wow. You know, what's going on? What's going on? Well, you know, and of course a couple of hands go up. I think mine do really well. Do we have any idea what we're doing? Yeah, but we, we, we need to, we need to run about talent first. You know, it's just kind of, and Vince looked at me, by the way, Briscoe, uh, do you mind staying a little bit after the meeting? I want to have a, a little talk with you. And I think, oh, wow. All of a sudden, you know, I start thinking, well, what the hell have I done? You know, I'm going to get fired. You know, uh, you know, I'm thinking the worst because the boss wants to talk to me after a three-hour production meeting. You know, what can it be? What did I do? You know, I'm, I'm thinking the world's worst, you know, that, you know, I've done something. And because of Bruce's influence on me and got, got in trouble and, and going to get fired over it. So. I'm sitting there thinking everybody walks out of the, out of the room. So our conference room we had was a real big, one of those, uh, hotel, uh, ballroom type deals. And has a bathroom down the end. So Vince gets up after everybody leaves. There's two doors to it. He goes to one door and he, I see him lock that damn door. I, he goes to the other door. I see him lock that door. And I'm thinking, what the hell are we going to get in a fight here too? I mean, I'm, I'm, 
know, I'm I'm starting to wonder what what he wants to do with me. I mean, it's it, it, you know, it's a little different uh, routine than what usually happens. Then there's a bathroom towards the back. He walks all the way to the back of the room, opens the bathroom door, looks in, closes it, you know, just to look to see if anybody there. And then finally he comes down and he sits down next to me. He said, we have a situation here that, 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 uh, I kind of filled you in a, a little bit on, on, uh, on Friday night. He said, uh, we're going to have to, uh, have to uh, take the belt off of uh, Alpha Brett tonight, and we're going to have to to do it our way. And I'm, I'm well, what what exactly do you mean? He said uh, he's not going to drop the title here in Canada. And so I'm like everybody else. I'm trying to come up with uh, immediate come up with with solutions because I've been th- thinking about it. We had Detroit coming a couple of days later, but. Uh, the word had got out that Brett wasn't going to do it there because, you know, it was uh, right across the river from Canada. I think Jim Cornette has claimed that he was the one who said to Vince, well, you should just put Brett in the ring with Ken Shamrock and then he'll do business. Is that the way you remember it? That, Hey, if we can't, maybe we can lead the horse to water, but we can't make him drink, but maybe Ken Shamrock could make him drink. Is that the way you remember hearing that? Yeah, I remember hearing that, but you know, I, I didn't really describe it the same. I, I, you know, the whole thing was Brett, Brett, and I'm I'm not speaking in Brett, but just from hearsay. I'm uh, once again that word allegedly, just from from what I'd been hearing. You know, Brett, Brett didn't want to drop the title. I mean, for some reason, and and I just can't understand and that issue. Several people were brought up. You know, uh, Shamrock, sure, Shamrock can, can take it, but Brett would know something, something was going on, and, and, and Undertaker, well, he could put me with him, and I'm sure he would have done it, you know. He wouldn't have done it in Montreal, or he wouldn't have done it anywhere else. It could would have take or taken him. I'm sure he would have, but, you know, that's not that, that wasn't the issue. The issue was Vince had a program built out, Cornette and all of Bruce and all those guys that, we're doing the, the creative at the time. My my job at the time was handling the uh, the agents and, and handling the live shows and things like that. So I wasn't really in every TV creative meeting. Uh, they're right on that. I wasn't in a lot of those creative meetings, but uh, I had uh, because I was doing. We were running nightly house shows at the time, so I was daily talking to Vince, you know, giving him house show reports and all that stuff. And he'd call me uh, after we get a, get a, uh, a report. And the, the, I, I just digress a little bit from that. I remember Vince, you know, when, when, when he was making that, that offer and, and it, it, it was a complicated offer and it was complicated for, for, for Brett to accept it, but it was a sweetheart deal on Brett's side. So I think he finally realized that and accepted it. But Cornette, Cornette said Cornette did offer different things, but that wasn't the program we had going. And Shamrock and 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 Brett wouldn't have had the same buy rate as Brett and Sean. So that was kind of a business decision too about switching opponents. And I know everybody in the moon, even including the man in the moon, has come up and said it was their ideal to put the <laughs> sharpshooter on and, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and have the referee ring the bell. 
I, I can't tell you how many people I've, I've heard interviews say that it was their, their suggested and, and an off key. Well, yeah, I was drinking with Vince, you know, on a 300 mile road trip when it come up, you know, 10 months before. And, and I, well, hell, just put the sharpshooter on and make Brett give up. That, well, that We can do it that way. You know, I've heard all these stories and everything. But that, that, that never came up in our discussion until we started talking. And, uh, and Brett, you know, Brett was a great uh, amateur wrestler in Canada. And, uh, and Sean had never really been physical in his life. And so, uh, so uh, we nixed all the deals and everything. So uh, then said, well, Brett gets in about midnight tonight. I want you to go to his room and, uh, and I want you to show Brett something that will protect him. And like I said earlier in this conversation, Con, uh, Conrad, that you can't teach a guy to protect himself in, in a matter of hours. You know, it, it, it's an attitude, number one, and it, it, it's a mindset. And Sean did not have that mindset. I'm not saying he didn't have the athletic ability. I'm just saying, you, you know, when you, when you go to hurt somebody, you, you got to have a, a bone in your body that allows you to go that far with another person, especially in our business where you're so used to giving up your body to people and crushing them. And Sean does not have that, that mean bone in his body. He's a nice guy with that contrary to a lot of people's beliefs. And so, uh, so I said, okay, I'll meet with Sean and we'll come up with something and I'll let you know. So, and it was about 1030 that time. So I, I, I went to the front desk and, uh, you know, and like I said, we didn't have cell phones where we could communicate with each other. So I left a note at the front desk that said, very important when Shawn Michaels checks in, have him call me. I'll be at the, I'll be at the bar and have him call me in my, and, uh, at the bar and just uh, ring the bar and uh, let, him, uh, let me know that he's there. And the guy said, okay. So a few hours later, about that. So I go and I meet up with uh, with Brother Bruce and uh, and whoever else is in the bar, and we start drinking. So I get a phone call about midnight, twelve twelve thirty, and it's Sean. He said, "Hey, I just checked in. I'm up in my room, so and so number." He said, "Do you want to come up for a while?" I said, "Yeah, I'll be up there in a second. So I hung up. And, you know, this is unusual for me to get a phone call, so, you know, at, at a bar and. Uh, so uh, Bruce looks at me. Where are you going? I said, Oh, I, I just got to do something. You know, I just got a call. I got a call from home, and I, I, I got, I got to go do something. You know, but just making up an excuse. So, uh, so I excused myself from the bar, and I went to Sean's room. My mission with Sean at that time, uh, Conrad, was not to teach him anything. Was but was to find out what he knew you know, in case it, it, it got physical and got scary at the end, in the end of what we're doing. So we sat there and he said, we have any ideas? I said, the only thing I can come up with, Sean, is, you know, you agree to whatever Brett wants to do to do to you. If he wants to whatever, kick out of your, your, your finishing move, you know, at two minutes in, into the match, you got to go for it. You just got to be very, very cooperative with him. You can't tip your hand in any way. But uh, the only way I can think of that we can get him in a position because he'll kick out on a cover. So no, no matter what you do to him, unless you knock him out with the ring belt or the belt, uh, uh, ring belt or the belt, 
you're not going to cover him for a three count because he'll kick out. So the only other way is to get a get a get a hold on him where we, where we can do a submission. With him. Earl Habner had been assigned to Matt. I've known Baby Earl since he was Baby Earl since he was you know setting up the rings in Richmond, Virginia for for uh, Joe Murdick and the Crockett's. So I'd known him all of his career. Had a pretty good relationship with 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 the guy, and he, he was I consider him a friend. Him and him and uh, they both uh, uh, were good friends of mine. So uh, so he was he was he was the key to it. He said, uh, "Well, uh, Brett and Earl are are tight, and they were very very tight. I mean, uh, Brett took care of Earl all the time, I'm moving him up to first class seats and all that stuff. And as a, as as the legend goes, and I wasn't on the flight, so I can't uh, can't verify this story. But uh, the night before, as they were flying to Montreal, they were finishing up a I think it was Detroit. They were finishing up that that road show uh, road uh, to to the pay per view. So. Uh, Earl was sitting in the back of the plane. Of course, Brett's sitting in the front of the plane. So uh, Brett buys Earl a first-class seat so he could sit next to him. And on the plane, as the legend goes, and like I said, I can't verify this story because I wasn't there. And so that Brett, hey, man, I, you, know, I, you know, I'm a little worried about tomorrow. Can I have your word? You won't screw me. Well, I give you, I swear on my kids, so the story goes that Earl told Brett. So, you know, they had that bond. So. But you know, I it, it, so we, we come up with we, we uh, uh, Sean Michaels and Brett had a had, had been having a series of matches, and during those series of matches, they both kicked out of each other finishing holds. So they already had a spot built into the match where that sharpshooter could go on. And, uh, and so it was kind of easy from there. I said, well, well this is what we're going to have to do. So he and I come up with the deal, you know, and now, now my job is, uh, I got that taken care of. Now my job is to, okay, we get to one, two, three. Now Brett is Brett going to attack you and kill you? Or is he going to attack, you know, whoever, whoever, or, uh, the referee and kill him. So I had to think about, uh, Sean, you know, what, what to do with Sean. So I said, Sean said, I can't teach you. I mean, I can sit here and I can go through the motions. I can teach you how to, how to snap his knee. And Brett had everybody. It was a common fact. Brett had bad knees. So that was my focus. You know, when you get in the fights, you look to, you look for the guy's weakest points. And I knew what Brett's weakest points were. It was his knees. He had no wheels on him. You know, or most wrestlers. You need to get shot. So, uh, so I said, uh, I said, you know, this this is the way we can. Well, you you can snap his knee. You know, you gotta do a leg scissor, get him down, or drop him any way that you can. Just you know, are are you good at defending? You know, I said I'm gonna throw a couple of punches. I want to see you. You know how you how you how you bob and weave and all that. Just the 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 deal was more for Sean's protection than it was to teach him anything. Cause I, like I said, I'm, I'm a great coach. I first admit I'm a great coach, but I can't teach a guy in, in, in 30 minutes out of how to, how to do the thing effectively when somebody's resisting you and fighting for their lives. 
Brad is a tough son of a bitch, and I knew Sean would be in trouble if there, there was a fight because as good a worker as Sean is, like I said before, I don't think he's mean enough. And that Sean had a track record, as as everybody knows, you know, getting the hell beat out of him in Syracuse by a bunch of soldiers. And, uh, you know, he didn't have a very good one-loss record in actual shoot fighting, you know, in other words. And so I was a little concerned about that. But now we now we have a game plan. So I finished the meeting. I went back to my room and I called Vance and I told Vance, I said, I think we got something. And I kind of laid it out to Vance and I said, Vance, I got to ask you a question. Now I'm a little, you know, I mean, I'm 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 old school, Conrad. I mean, and, you know, I'm I'm brought up you do the right thing in the business. This was weighing on me because this was something that. In my lifetime and in my career, I'd never seen done or never heard of it being done. And, you know, doing research later is all the all the research uh, 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 mode became available. You know, I, I saw where there was a couple other, you know, screw jobs like this. And I kind of relate back to 1973 when my brother was supposed to get the job belt from, uh, from Dory Funk Jr. And it didn't happen you know, uh, with, with strange circumstances. So I could relate to what was going on there. So, uh, anyway, uh, I went back to the bar and Bruce said, where the hell you been so long? I said, no, I just, like I said, I had a phone call. And so we started drinking and I'm shocked at, cause you know, Bruce, Bruce likes to dig deep, you know, when something different out, out of the ordinary and this was totally different out of the ordinary. So, uh, so uh, we sat there and we finished drinking, closed the bar down, and we we went our separate ways and went to our to our rooms, you know. So I, I, my conscience started getting better, but I'm now I'm starting to think: <clears throat> when is the best time to to approach uh, Earl Hebner? Well, Hebners are great business guys. And so I kept putting it off, and all day long, Venter walked by me. And then, um, and this is, like I said, is a heavy weight because I couldn't share this with, with Pat. I couldn't share it with Bruce. I couldn't share it with JR. I couldn't share it with any of my friends or any anybody there, Jack Lanza, or anybody that I was close to. This is something I had to carry all day long. And every time I'd walk by and see Brett, Brett would kind of look at me because Brett and I had a friendly relations, working relationship, but we weren't really friends, you know. We were just kind of, you know, co-workers and, and, and acquaintances. So so I didn't have that, that relationship that I have with Bruce and Jr. and Pat and those guys. So uh, all day long, I'm trying to figure out when's the right time to, to, to talk to, to Earl. And so I, I is Earl going to do it because I know his friendship with Brett. So I went to Vance and I said, Vance, I started doubting whether Earl would do it. And so I went to Vance and I said, Vance, we're, I'm going to have to, because he made me swear I wouldn't tell anybody too. He said, you have problems with you. I got to share this with anybody. I said, well, who knows that I can talk to during the course of the day to try to get this off, off my chest. He's Kevin Dunn, the only other guy that knows what we're doing. <clears throat> well, Kevin spends a day in the truck. So I, you know, he's not a guy that you go out and talk to because he's super busy you know, on a pay-per-view day, uh, getting everything lined up. So, I had nobody to talk to. I had nobody to share, you know, to bounce things off of. It was 
just me and and uh and uh and my thoughts so uh you know i said well i'm i cannot do that i cannot talk to earl until he's ready to go to the ring and so about as the match is getting ready to go to the ring Earl's getting ready to go in there, and I, I grab Earl by the uh, by the by the by the arm there, and I took him just a few steps away from the gorilla position there, where Bruce was sitting, and the Davy Boy and Owen was there, so I couldn't talk to him right in front of them because they would alert Brett somehow that you know Briscoe's talk to the referee, be will be aware of something. <laughs> so I took uh, uh, Baby Earl back in a little corner, and Earl did not want to do it. Earl was not going to do it. And I just started out laying black and white to him. You know, Earl, you have a mortgage on your house, right? You know, if some Brett takes his title down there, and like I said, we're not in the greatest bit, uh, shape of financial. Anyway, we being WWF, we're not the greatest financial shape. Is he going to pay your mortgage when it comes to it? Is he going to pay your electric bill? You know, is he going to feed your family? You know, when he when he takes off and he's down there making you know billions of dollars, what you know what's going to happen to you if you if you refuse to do this? And I got to replace. I gone to Timmy White and asked Timmy to stand by just in case that we. I, I, I told Timmy we might have a ref bump, so I might need you to stand by. And that's that's kind of how I covered with Timmy, you know, to be on standby to referee the match just in case something happened. And Timmy, of course, being a company man, Timmy said, yeah, I'll be glad to, you know. And he said, I hope nothing happens. Uh, and I said, well, I do too, but, you know, I might need you as a standby. So Timmy was sitting over by Gorilla, too, waiting, you know, to see if he's going to have to go. So finally, I, I just got down the brass tack with Earl. I said, okay, Earl, you got to go to the damn ring. You got to tell me right now. I got Timmy Wyatt over there. That'll take your place. You know, if you refuse to do it and you walk out, you're probably finished here. Now, is Brett going to take you to WCW with you and get you a job down there? I I doubt it. I doubt if he'll take you down there. So you're kind of going to be out of the business as far as, you know, making major money with a major, major, major organization. He looks at me and he said, Briscoe, I wouldn't do this for any other guy but you. And he said, it's against my, my judgment. I said, it's against my judgment, too, but it's the only choice that we have at this at this time, uh, Earl. So you going to do it or not? We got we to go ahead. He said, I'll do it. And I said, as soon as you do that, one, two, three, <clears throat> and you'll know, I want you to grab the belt, hand it to uh to Sean, uh, to Sean, and just get the hell out of there. Get out of that arena as quickly and as fast as you possibly can. It got to an ugly point. Did you feel the locker room was divided at that time, or did you feel like most of the boys were with Brett and just saw Sean? And this is a different Sean than now. Yeah, I always yeah, have to give yeah, the disclaimer. Yeah. Sean was just an asshole. I always liked Sean. <laughs> But I could see why. Uh, Did the locker room feel like they were more with Brett than Sean, or was it? Again, divided? I don't know. I didn't know that much about. I I don't want to go on record and say I I heard Sean wouldn't put Brett over, but I don't know if I heard that before or afterward. Like I'm approaching this like I my job is to have a good match and put Kane over. 
-hmm. you know, be, and again, I, I guess I did know there were some hard feelings because I was a little surprised. I thought it was a credit to both their professionalism that they were having a heck of a match and had such great chemistry. First five, 10 minutes in, I, I was feeling good because I had done what I was supposed to do. I didn't know what we were doing. I had no, when I called it, I, that was the first I heard of it. And that's hard, man. Yeah. When you're setting into a full house, emotional fans. Michaels is a, 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 a very solid heel as far as his role his persona in that, to that house. Again, we're in Canada. Yeah. So, uh, I, I just, it was just so uncomfortable. Everything was so uncomfortable about this so damn thing. So I don't know if Cornette had the original idea. Cornette's smart guy. And he's certainly, uh, had had a lot of, he had a great historic knowledge of things. So, uh, I can see Corny stepping up in that, that idea, but the, at the end of the day, Connie, it's Vince's call, right? End of the story. And I'm sure Pat Patterson is sitting in those meetings, just great, you know, just stressed all to hell because Pat loved Brett, you know, he's the Canadian thing. Uh, uh, been around him since he was a kid, all those, all those deals. So, uh, I'm sure Pat was flabbergasted and Vince, I thought, and I think Vince had some issues with it too, because he didn't even tell his broadcast team. Oh, by the way, here's what we're doing. And it would, it might've helped if we'd have known that there's going to be a title change in, in a, in a controversial manner, but we didn't have that luxury. We went, we went in to that match. When I say we, everyone with the exception of Sean. Uh, so when everybody suggests, let's just fuck him. Vince always says, as far as you know, we got to come up with something else. Yeah. Okay. We got to come up with another way. So when do you find out that Sean asked Brett or Sean asked Briscoe for some, I didn't find out anything until after the fact. Okay. So let's fast forward. So no, I did not know. You're watching, I assume, is it fair for me to assume you're in gorilla when yes. this happens? So you're in gorilla, you're on a headset just like you are right now. Uh, no difference, only one ear. And from what I remember, the Hart Foundation, Owen and Davey, are right behind you about to run Actually, through. they were the, right in front of me. They're about to run through the curtain to do a schmoz finish, which is what Wrestling with Shadows presented as what the original plan was supposed to be. Right. The bell rings. You're watching the monitor. It's not the finish you remember booking or calling or you're looking for. Correct. Pick it up from there. Well, I, okay. I'll give you guys. Okay. I'll go back and I, I was going to say, I'll give you something that's never been discussed. No, do it. Cause do it's it. personal. Do it. But no, I'm going to go to your point when the bell rang. And again, I'm, I'm watching the match, but I'm not, I'm doing other things too. And I'm looking for the spot where. Davy, Davy Boy Smith and Owen Hart, and I think it was Night Hart. Do a run in. Do a run in. And we're sitting there, and I hear the bell ring. And I'm like, what the hell? And I'm yelling at the timekeeper, why are you ringing the bell? And I look up on my monitor, and Brett has, Sean has his leg hooked, and Davy Boy and Owen are standing right in front of me. And Owen's like, what happened? What happened? And, <laughs> and Bulldog's like, they fucked him. They just fucked Brett. And uh, they screwed him. And they're like, what do we do? I'm like, 
I don't know. So they turned to look at you to ask what to well, do. They were staring at me. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I and guess so they assume, you know, and you're not playing dumb. You really are dumb. To this idea. I have no clue. Okay. No clue whatsoever. I got it once. It happened. Once Sean rolled out the vents, I got it. So anyway, uh, we were getting the course of the match and here comes the sharpshooter. Ding, ding, ding. Ring the bell, ring the bell. As soon as he puts the sharpshooter on, as they turn him over, Brett's kind of, you know, when you get turned over in a match, you, you still got to have your balance, even though you're on your belly. And, and Brett puts his hands down to kind of stabilize his balance from turning all the way over. As soon as that hand goes down, Hedmer kind of looks over and kind of gestures. He doesn't really gesture, but Vince takes the signal and hollers, ring the bell. So they ring the bell. So, man, they let go of that deal. So you can watch Hebner. Hebner grabbed that belt. He gives it to Sean, and he's gone. He's disappeared. He's down those stairs. He's out the building. He's gone. He's safe. So now my concern is getting Sean Michaels out of there. I'm at ringside just in case I got to go in and help Sean. I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I ain't going to be on the losing end of it. I'll tell you that much. So, uh I knew I might have to do something. So I grabbed Sean as soon as he gets awarded the deal. And I, and I, I completely forget, forget about Vince because my main focus is getting Sean to safety because, because Davey and Owen is now in the ring with Brett. So I know he's okay to go out. So he's going out as we're walking out. Somebody asked me one time, what'd you say to Sean uh, on the way out? Because he, uh, the video showed me saying something to Sean, as you know, fans when they get disgusted especially up there in that damn montreal they tend to throw stuff on you i mean that bottles you don't know what you're urine and you don't know what it is but they'll they throw stuff on you you know and they, you know spit on you everything sean's walking on he got that belt by it. i said so everybody said what did you say to sean i want to have to sean put that on most school of course i was always taught when you get heat and you you know put something over your head as you're hitting those X's because you don't know what they're throwing you know, at you. So I said, Sean, put the belt over your head. It wasn't a gloat or anything like that. It was just for his total protection. Yeah. <laughs> so I get Sean in the back and I pass him off to, to, to Hunter. So Hunter takes him down to the dressing room. And now my concern is, okay, I'm out there. Uh, Vince is out there. Well, I know Sarge and, uh, is out there, and Sarge is a pretty salty guy. I know he's, he's in good shape, but I still need to be out here. Greer's out there, and, and um, just to kind of direct traffic, because he, he was excellent at doing. So I, I go out, and we finally got, you know, the spit has already happened, and now Brett's going into Sandrum, you know, tearing everything. So I grab Vince, and we, we go to the back. J.R. and King has already vacated one. Watch Brett head hit over by them, start throwing stuff. They vacate. We have we have a dressing room back in the back. We've been advanced as it's a little little uh, 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 cubicle off to the side. There was two door, two basically two dressing rooms that that are like adjoining rooms, and so. I Jr. and one of them, and we're all getting the back. Finally, I get bent back there, and I go and I lock all the doors. Well, I see Taker walking down the hallway towards Vince's office. I but I lock all the damn doors because I, I don't know the guy's attitude at that time because we'd just done something that had been done in the business in a long time. 
All right. So I'm about to start asking the guys about what happened after the match. But before I do, I want to ask you, did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? It can lead to acne allergies and stuffy noses and buddy. It's just gross. Well, miracle brand offers a whole line of self-cleaning eco-friendly bedding, such as sheets, pillowcases, and comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria and require three times less laundry. So listen up using silver infused fabrics originally developed by NASA miracle brand sheets are also thermoregulating. That means they're designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. So you're going to get even better sleep. These sheets are infused with natural silver. That's going to prevent 99.9% of that bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tags of other luxury brands. Miracle sheets are the perfect gift for your spouse, friends, or family. Who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling bed sheets. And since these come with three free towels, you get two gifts in one just in time for the holidays. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Clean sheets mean less bacteria to clog your pores and fewer breakouts and other skin problems. So go to trymiracle.com slash wrestle to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Save over 40% and be sure to use our promo code wrestle at checkout to save even more and get three free towels. And Miracle is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Brand. Go to trymiraclebrand.com slash wrestle and use the code wrestle to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiraclecom slash wrestle to treat yourself, a friend or a loved one this holiday season. Thank you, Miracle Brand, for sponsoring today's episode. This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Oh, you wrote in your book, uh, Brett labeled Sean as a co-conspirator of the title change, but if true, he did a good job of hiding it as he reached the backstage area quote, there's no way I'm accepting his fucking belt like this. This is bullshit. Now, of course it's come out since Sean was in on it, Mm -hmm. but just take me through is this a match that, I mean, we've heard the phrase sometimes, boy, it was a sellout at the curtain. All the talent who normally are trying to beat the traffic and get the hell out of here, they want to see what's going to happen with this one. Was this one of those matches or no? 
I don't recall the sellout feeling until after aftermath that everybody came around because there's a few places to watch the matches backstage there's a talent viewing area there's a talent viewing area you know the doctors monitors and gorilla probably five six different uh, places but it, everyone, where were you i was watching on what would be the predominant monitor watching it unfold because i could owen was part of the owen was part of the heart foundation i couldn't have left before the match, if so I wanted to. So your rise with Owen. Yeah, my rise and, and with he's Owen. And he's standing in Gorilla with, with Bulldog, ready right. to do a run-in yeah. for the schmoz. Mm -hmm. So you're in maybe the talent viewing area. You've probably got your bag packed, ready to go when they're done. Yeah. And you see what happens. Are you as confused? Are you watching with the sound back there? I think so. Are you as confused as everyone else, or do you put together pretty quickly? I don't know if I knew what had happened. Like, I wrote, I didn't. I didn't think Sean was in on it based on his reaction. I remember... Um, you believed Sean. Yeah, and I remember uh, Julie Hart. Uh, she called... Somebody thought it was a work because Julie called Tri Triple H Hunter. And, there's, of course, we call each other our gimmick names yes. all the time. Yes. Um, and, his, you know, Hunter, no, no, it had nothing to do with it. What I kept saying over and over is, you don't do that to Bret Hart. Yes. You don't do that to Bret Hart. And I wasn't thinking, hey, there's a list of people you could do that to. But I was just stunned that this had happened, and that this had gone down. Did part of you feel just selfishly, um, man, if they do this to Bret, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it has to, right? I think so. And this is where I don't want to, uh, I don't know the names but I know I wasn't the only one saying that I wouldn't be at TV the next day. Remember any other reaction from any other talent in the building before you went to your hotel? Uh, no, no, I don't. It's almost like it was just a group of people, all of us upset, disappointed, angry, and uh, at least four or five people saying they weren't going to work. Can you kind of describe the vibe? I mean, you talked about in last week's episode, and you and I kind of experienced it a little bit, in Nashville, after Ric Flair's last match, there was just like this weird celebratory yeah. glow kind of, hey, things went cool and yeah. everybody had fun and it felt special. And you've talked about how that's the thing you missed the most with wrestling. Is this the most, is this the only time it ever felt like this? Is this the most unique or weird? Wow. Pillman's death, Draz's injury. This was, this was different though, because it wasn't just... An accident? Sad, yeah, sadness. Yeah, it was anger, too. Mm -hmm. So we were angry and confused. I mean, I remember going back to, you know, going back to my room and, uh, you know, Glenn talking to his wife, saying Mick really put me over strong. And I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I, I, it was understood that he was just starting a character that he, had, he, he had to go to work. Now, if I'd had my car, if it, if it wasn't back in, I don't know why it was my rental. I had a rental car. I don't know why I drove with Ronnie. And I just, I love spending time with Owen. Owen always busted on Ronnie. It made it fun. I had to believe I was coming back through that area because I did have a car, a rental car. Um, otherwise, I would have been gone. I would have been, you know, halfway to Atlanta by daybreak. Um, 
Although I, I know I'd moved to uh, Florida by that point, Florida Panhandle. You think you would have started driving home yeah, from Montreal? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you write in your book, because I was curious, you know, as we were thinking about doing this show, like when you get, because I knew where, where your stance was, and I just thought, well, he probably called his wife first. Mm-hmm. She wrote in your book, I called Jim Ross first. First, Jim Ross first. And left a message that says, tell Vince I'm not coming to work. I'm sick to my stomach, and I don't feel like I can work here anymore. If you have any questions, you can call me at the Quality Inn. Next, I dialed Brett, who was staying in another hotel. He wasn't in, but I left a message repeating my sentiments I'd explained to Ross and giving him my support. I then tried Owen's room and was relieved to find him in. What happened, I asked. Jerry Briscoe went to go and, you know, talk to Brett and pretty much go out and face everybody. And... I mean, you know, Briscoe came back and Vince was like, you know, I need to go and I need to face him. I need to face everybody. What did Briscoe say Brett said? Your call? Yeah, I don't recall him really saying anything. I don't even know that, that Jerry spoke to Brett. So Vince then goes into the locker room where Brett is. We, yeah, we made that walk and got spat upon by the Hart family along the way in the hallways uh, I mean, they literally spit on us the wrestlers or the family the family so like his wife and yeah it's spitting on sisters you guys. yeah wow. they weren't happy so then you uh you walk into the room at this point hunter and sean are probably out of there no they were there okay so walk into the locker room what happens well, we walked in on the way there we were met by uh taker what, and has the, has the director come up yet? Like the, the, the company that's filming, has that been a topic of conversation at this point? What has, director? They're, they're the, shooting wrestling with shadows. Oh, they were nowhere around that from the standpoint of what I'm saying, us, I'm saying as far as Vince goes, is he thinking, Oh shit, I forgot they're here. We need somebody to neutralize. Oh God, that. that was the furthest thing from our mind. Okay. That was the furthest thing from anybody's mind. Okay. It was kind of like a non-issue. Okay. But, you know, we went, we got confronted by Undertaker, Davey Boy, and uh, Owen, and Neidhart. And Vince just looked at him and said, guys, what did you expect me to do? You know, I did it for you. So he he wasn't willing to do business. I had to do something. I had to do something to protect each and every one of you guys. And I said, where's Brett? And he went down, walked down the hall. Um... Undertaker went in and pretty much got everybody that was not directly involved in the match, got him out. And uh, I was there. Tony Gurria was there. Sergeant Slaughter, Jerry Briscoe, Shane, and then uh, the guys that were involved in the match. So anybody else that claims to have been there, um, Earl Hebner was not there. Earl was gone. Um, they weren't there. Um, even Ken Shamrock asked if he could stay and was asked to leave. So Vince was prepared to take a punch. This is the part that I'm going to piss people off, and I'm going I'm to upset Brad after, after all of our, our good deals. So uh, Sarge agrees to, uh, to uh, babysit Shano for me. So it's basically me, Vince, 
and Bruce kind of standing there in a little semicircle to herself while Brett is, is, is getting ready to go to the shower. Of course, when we come in, Taker ushered everybody, and I appreciate that from Taker, and I, he wasn't asked to do it or it's just instinct with him, but he wanted every, he told everybody, get the hell out of the dressing room, including Shamrock, I think, and a couple other pretty tough guys. Get the hell out of here. This is, this is probably I mean, no, nobody that's not involved that needs to be here. Davey and Orn, of course, were left in there, and, and Hunter and, and, uh, and Sean, of course, were there. And when we walked in, uh, Brett and Sean were actually talking, and as soon as Brett saw uh, Vance, of course, his attention went on him, and he started cussing Vance out, telling Vance off, and he said, I'm going to go in the shower, I'm going to shower off, and if you're still in here, when I get out of here, I'm going to knock the hell out of you. And uh, and so, uh, uh, well, okay. So now Shane, I look over Shane, and he's starting to bow up, and I kind of give the nod to to Sarge, you know, kind of get in front of him and hold him back. So Brett goes in the shower. While Brett is showering, Vince is explaining to the other 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 talent in the room exactly what went down and why it had to go down like it did. Well, sure enough, Brett got out of the shower. He dried off. I mean, it's it, it kind of like watching a movie being filmed here. So, you know, you're waiting for the big showdown, the shootout at that high noon, and it's getting ready to come, and there the town is anticipating it. So, you know, everybody's feathers are kind of rumpled up and, you know, getting ready to choose sides. You know, who's going who's gonna to do what? So, uh and you you got to give it to Vince, and this is where I get pissed off when I hear Brett's description of it. You know, I mean, he come over and he told Vince, Vince, I told you if you're still here when I got out of shower, I'm gonna knock the hell out of you. I give you one more chance to leave. And and Vince said, Brett, I'm sorry it had to happen like this, but it happened at that time. Vince's hands were down at his side. Here's a man, what, 13 years older than than this world-class athlete and uh standing there facing him you know with with his head up and not not trying to cower out of anything and brett said vince i'm gonna punch the hell out of and brett threw one of these punches there's a big roundhouse and that it, it, he said there was a group of guys but like i said it was only bruce and i and and neither one of us trying to block the block the punch Vincent told me he was he was willing to take it, but that take one was all he was going to take, and that's that's really all it took. So Brett reared back, and he punched Vince, and Vince went down. And Brett, in fact, likes to brag. Well, hell, I punched him, and I punched his lights out. He went down like a sack of potatoes. Well, you know what? Conrad, you could punch you could punch me if I'm standing there with my hands to my side and you know and and nail it and hit me with a good punch without me trying to defend it or turning my head or anything like that to kind of to lessen the blow. But Vince took it head on and he went down. Vince wasn't out cold, but he went down like a like a tree with a chainsaw. I mean, he would plop. And in the in in the, in those hockey dressing rooms. You know, they have those damn pallets there that are, that are hard, you know, unless you're in skates or hard to walk on, you know, and you, you move pretty quick unless you, you know, you hit, you hit the board on those pallets, you're going to fall through and turn. This is the funny part of it. Vince still blames it for me. Now, you know, knee, Vince had a, a knee operation a few years later. It was from that. It was from the scrum after he went down, of course, 
Vince said, I'll take one punch. So I was, as soon as Vince hit, hit that floor, I was on top of him, you know, covering him because I wasn't going to let Brett get a second punch in. You know, there's no way in hell I was going to let, uh, let him get a second punch in. And so, so uh, I grabbed Vince and I kind of pushed Brett off to the side there uh, as well as I could along with, uh, with, uh, with everybody else that was standing there. We could, you know, just get Brett away, get some distance there. He had already done his damage. So we got up and Vince was in, in, in La La Land. I mean, he was, you know, his eyes were spinning around. He'd been punched in a temple, you know, and they, like I said, he's 11, 13 years older than, than Brett. And he went down. Brett did throw a damn good punch. But he threw it. That's like shooting an unarmed man, as far as I'm concerned. You know, it was a, it wasn't a sucker punch because he knew it was coming. So, but it was, it was an undefended punch, and 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 Vince went down. Brett is a hundred percent right on that. But you know, he, you know, if you can't knock a man down, you know, with your best punch when it, when it's uncontested, then you know you're not very strong. But. So it, Brett showed he was strong. So we get Vince up, and he's, he's kind of uh, and overcomes Shane. By now, Shane has joined, and after, after, after we're, we're helping. Because we didn't know if Davey Boy and Owen were going to get in that scrum and start punching and kicking. So so they did. And it was between Brett and Vince, and I left it at that. And the, and the guys I had protecting Vince left it at that. So this this was something that we anticipated, and it's something Vince told me, uh, you know, uh, that night. He said, "If I get punched, only allow one punch." So I gave him my word. That's all I was gonna allow, and that's all I would have allowed, you know. So uh, we gave him his, his his payback there. He punched Vince out. So we got Vince out. Vince felt compelled to go. And he might say, "I didn't confront Brett." Well, you did. He was upset. He was hurt. Yeah. He was his emotional feelings are shattered. Uh, and not just because he lost the belt, right? Strap. He lost a strap in Canada. Oh my God. The world will never, ever recover. Please. Uh, so anyway, the, it was, it was a crazy day there. And then we had to have security to get out. We had to have security to get in our hotel and get to our rooms. I just want to get to my fucking room. You know, I just want to get to my room and, and settle for a second. Just give me a sec. Cause I had to put pieces back together, of talents that Vince didn't want to work with. Right. He wasn't going to stop his, his, uh, his march to independence with Brett without, you know, he wasn't so. I, I, it was a really a stressful, now I wasn't afraid of my health or, you know, some drunk, uh, French Canadian family. I don't want to take a pot at shot at any, any of us that didn't happen. Thank goodness. Uh, but I can't tell them, Hey, look, you asshole, don't hit me again. I didn't know the finish. <laughs> they don't care. They wouldn't believe me anyway. Right. So crazy shit, Connie. Well, Jerry Briscoe's one of my best friends in the whole wide world. And, and, uh, I had a little chat with Gerald. And he told you that he knew and that Sean, he showed Sean some hooks or something. He told me what he had done the night before and that they had talked about it the night before. Um, and he went to Sean's hotel room or Sean went to, okay. I, you don't remember that part. I, okay. don't, I don't know, but you know that, that he knew and, and I understood his position, uh, talked to Vince 
and you know, he pretty much said the same thing to me. He goes, I did it for you. I did it for everyone, you know, in my company. Uh, so the next day you guys go to Raw, and supposedly a handful of guys don't come or say they're not coming. Mick Foley didn't show up. One okay. guy. That was it. Everybody One. else showed. Everybody else showed. But they, maybe they were a little. And then Mick called and apologized and was there sure. the next day. Talk to me about the aftermath. Is, uh, is Mick Foley the only person who objects to coming back afterwards? I know Mick wrote in his book that you called him at his uh, hotel room that night and tried to talk to him about it. I think Jim Cornette did the same and even Vince McMahon. But is he the only guy who says, man, this ain't right. I'm not doing this. I've talked to a lot of guys, not that many that night. Because I think the, the aftermath, the, the shock was still uh, resonating. Yeah. Uh, but Mick was the most, the one that comes to my mind. Cause he was very upset and, uh, you know, contrary to his TV persona, Mick Foley is a very sensitive guy. Yeah. He thought Brett had been done wrong. He well, had. he had, he had, he had, but you know, quitting and going home for a day, what's it going to do to go home for a day, Mick, you know, but you're going to, he came back a day later. Yeah. He missed the, the live show, but he went to the tapings the next day. All right. So. So was that necessary? Well, Mick I thought it was. Yeah. I don't, but Mick did. And I love Mick. No, I love him to this very day. So you had to know that when you called Jim Ross, he's probably going to try to call a talk you out of it and to think about your family and your career and all that. What's going through your mind. I know that we know from just getting to know you over the years and certainly through the show, you're a principal dude, but at the same time, man, we got to take care of a wife and kids at home and you probably do have a contract. Was all of that going through your mind about? Nah, what was going through my mind was trying to do the right thing. Uh, and I, so I would have called my wife after I told Jim that I was leaving Yeah, and she was supportive of me. Like she, okay. If I understand if, even though we had the two small kids and we had the, the new house and the mortgage, she was supportive. I must have felt like I could have worked elsewhere, not knowing at that time the nature of the contract. And I can't remember whether I had the long talk with my wife, Colette, or the long talk with Jim Ross. But when I finished whatever talk that was, that red message light was blinking. That was from JR. No, it was from Vince. Okay. Well, so I might be springing ahead. It might be, it might be, might have been the message light ringing from JR after I talked to Colette and then it ringing again with the message from Vince after I got off the phone with, uh, you wrote in your book that you're talking to Kane sort of saying, Hey man, I know you're just getting started. You've been in the business seven years and you finally found a bankable character. I understand your position. And that's when you notice, Oh, I got a missed call. The operator says, JR, return your call. And you talked to JR for what you said was quite a while. While not condoning what had just happened, he did try to explain the extenuating circumstances that surrounded it. Mick, you've got to understand that Vince only did what he thinks is necessary for this company's survival. I listened to everything he said, and a lot of it made sense. But nonetheless, my mind was made up. Tell Vince I'm not showing up. And that's how we finished the conversation. And he wrote that you called your wife. And you were dead serious about leaving by this point. Um, and she says, well, I guess I'm behind you then before you guys said your goodbyes. 
And then you notice the message light is on again. And this time, uh, it's a message from the operator saying, Mr. Foley and Mr. McMahon called and wants you to call him back. And you said, oh, God, DeCane, Vince called. I'm sorry, but I don't think I can handle talking to him right now. I lay awake for a long time that night just thinking about the events of the evening. I couldn't help but think that Vince, who had just been punched in the face, had thought enough of Mick Foley to call him when he heard my decision. At this point, I was cursing myself for having even ridden with Ronnie. Without him, I would have caught the last flight out of Montreal to anywhere and been gone. Because of him, my rental car was in a garage that I couldn't find, and I was completely dependent on him to bring me back to my car in Hamilton. Ronnie was intent on traveling to the next two shows, even though a Hart family from a Hart family perspective, the tour is over. Uh, so while the rest of the crew left for TV in Ottawa, I stayed behind in my hotel in Montreal. So let's talk about the call from Vince. You said it meant a lot to you, did given everything that had happened, and he just got punched in the face that he still called, but you couldn't call him back. I wish I had, you know. Um, I mean, I'd done a lot of standing up. <laughs> Were you just emotional at that moment? I, I was really emotional. And I, I, for whatever, I don't know. I don't know. I just didn't feel like I could deal with that. I dealt with a lot. I wish I could say, yeah, I got on the phone and called him right back. It did surprise me because I did not think I was important enough to receive a call from Vince under those circumstances. So looking back on it, it's like, wow, that was really impressive. It struck me right away. It was impressive that he'd call me after what he'd been through. And I, I guess I wasn't ready for that, for that phone call. The next day, you wrote that you had nothing to do but think. So you thought a lot. I still couldn't believe what had happened the night before, but hoped somehow things would work out. When Vince saw his depleted crew... He would be forced to fix things, and then I would be happy to rejoin the Federation. I began thinking about my decision to leave and realized that quitting the company amounted to a breach of my mm-hmm. contract, and I would forfeit any monies that were due to me. I didn't mind sitting out for a year, but I didn't want to lose the money I'd already worked for. If I left with no notice, I would be out three months of pay-per-view, six months of royalties, and one month of arena shows. That gave me cause to think about giving a three-months notice so I could at least get what was rightfully mine. Still, an apology or a rectification of the situation by Vince would make things a whole lot easier for me, and I watched Raw with great anticipation that night, but was devastated to see that instead of admitting their mistake, the WWF was actually playing it up. They were mocking Brett, and I was disgusted. One by one, I saw wrestlers appear on the screen who told me only one night earlier they wouldn't be working anymore. I realized I had absolutely no pull. It was the difference between robbing a store with a real gun and robbing a store with a water pistol. My show of rebellion just wasn't going to work. Surprisingly, the telecast had nothing but positive comments about mankind. And later that night, I received a call from Jim Cornette, and we talked for close to two hours. He made me see that even if none of us approved of what Vince had done, he had to understand that he did what he felt was best for the company. WCW was hell-bent on destroying Vince by any means necessary, And when it came to Vince McMahon, Ted Turner did indeed have very deep pockets. I had seen the WWF Women's Champion show up on Nitro with her belt and throw it in the garbage. It wouldn't be beneath WCW to offer Brett a couple hundred extra grand to do it as well. The Federation had always been able to make its world title mean something, and without it, there would be a gigantic hole. Finally, my decision came down to money. I respected Brett, and I liked him a great deal personally. 
but I had to feel like he was going to be all right. He was going to be making about two million a year to fall back on. Meanwhile, I would have nothing. I just kept thinking of those figures, two million to zero, zero to two million. With great reservation, I showed up at TV tapings the following afternoon. All right, so we're about to talk about present day, how it all wound up, how everybody's uh, better off now. It is kind of weird to think about how it all worked out. And I think that same thing about interest rates right now. You've probably heard that interest rates are on the rise. Just earlier this week, the Fed raised the rates three quarters of a point. Well, what does that mean for you? Well, it doesn't directly affect mortgage interest rates, but what you will start to see is home loan rates go up, car loan rates go up, credit card rates go up. All the rates are going up, up, up. Now I know what you're thinking. Damn, that means I missed the historical lows. It does. But when that was happening, boy, there was a feeding frenzy out there. We were all reading that there were homes that were having multiple offers, well over list, all cash, and you were competing with major investment firms. Well, the good news is a lot of that has subsided. Now is the time to buy a house. Here's what I mean. Real estate has proven to be one of the very best investments you could possibly make in the long term. You can't lose until you sell. But imagine even if you bought a house in 07, right? At the height of the market and it bottomed out in 08, everyone panicked and said, oh, what are we going to do? Well, buddy, if you hung on to that house that you bought in 07, it's worth way more than ever right now. That's what I mean with in the long term. So I really want to throw something at you that sounds a little cliche. I want to encourage you to date the rate, marry the house. This time a year ago, buddy, you had people lining up to buy every single property. That's not the case now. They're scared off because of the interest rate. Let me just run this past you though. If you bought a house in 2018, do you reckon you refinanced in the last year or two? Of course you did. So you had that loan for about three years and then you refinanced. That's actually about right. Most folks refinance every three to seven years. So if we know that the interest rate is short term, shouldn't we worry about the house long term? And in the meantime, didn't the house go up in value from 2018 to now? Of course it did. So your house is worth more and now you got a better rate. You should do the same thing right now. Stop throwing your money away on rent. Long-term wealth is not created by throwing your money away on rent. I would encourage you go right now to buywithconrad.com. I'll show you how to buy a house with little to no money down and get a new house payment that's cheaper than your current rent. I've seen recently a lot of the new three-bedroom apartments here in Huntsville. They're over $2,400 a month. You know what kind of house you could get for that here in Huntsville, Alabama? Now, we're not just in Huntsville. We're coast to coast, baby, and I'd be glad to help you in your area. Most of our loan programs have you putting down zero, three and a half, or 5% down. That's it, and then you're in the game. You're going to be able to accumulate wealth, most conservative experts think that real estate could rise about 6% a year. So over the next three years, guess what, buddy? 6% this year and the next year and the next year. But here's the best part of doing business with savewithconrad.com. We've got a seven-year guarantee. If rates improve, when rates improve, we'll refinance you again without a whole new set of origination charges. Don't overthink this. We've all heard the rules of the stock market, right? You buy low and sell high. That's what you do with your houses too, y'all. Let's show you how to get in the game right now at buywithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. 
That's buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and have I mentioned our reviews in a while? Go see what people are saying about taking a stab at doing business with me at conradreviews.com. You'll see one five-star review after another. Conradreviews.com is where to check those out. And then go right to buywithconrad.com. Are you into weird, spooky, and strange history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, unsolved mysteries, the paranormal, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Horrifying History, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. And I'm glad it's to some degree that it has, the story has a quasi happy ending and it did. And, you know, uh, or at least I think it did. It seemed like it, there was progress made when Brett came back. That was emotional for Brett to come back, get a hug and be in the ring. And then finally his, his, uh, his meeting with Sean, just too damn bad. It was about two years, two or three years too late. Uh, did your relationship change with Brent as a result of this? Yeah, we went for years and never spoke because he didn't believe I was not a party to it. Right. The truth was I was not a party to it. The truth was I didn't even know the fucking finish. There are wrestlers who still to this day say this was all the work. What are your thoughts on those guys? Saying- well, those, those gentlemen, I'm assuming gentlemen yeah, are ignorant. They're stupid proving once again, you don't want wrestlers doing your taxes. Oh, okay. It's always about me. It's always about, you know, the, 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 the art of the, of the swerve and the, the work and Hey brother type deal. I, I, that's just so ridiculous. It's embarrassing to, for someone to even ask that question that they believe that it was till this very day. You think that guys can't, you know, it's, it's like talking about a wrestling union. Watts gave me the best uh, feedback on that ever. Because when I was at WWE, I asked him about, you know, I keep in t- touch with him, get a little advice here, there, and yon, uh, about uh, wrestling unions, wrestler unions, mm-hmm. or a union for the wrestlers. He says, he said, Jim, they can't af- agree on what to have for lunch. Yeah. So there'll never be a wrestling union because they don't trust anybody. They don't even trust their own peers. Because everybody's always looking at the glass half empty first. And that and there's something to be said for that. So, uh, I don't think McMahon would have changed his strategy. He, he believed, and he, he was convinced by his surroundings that we had to get the belt off of Brett. Like it was going to change the course of time. I don't believe that to be true. I don't think it would have been a big blip in the road. Quite honestly, look, uh, about this, you wrote, apparently Brett had really appreciated the gesture of respect that I had made and made mention of it in several interviews I read. WCW was a gold mine waiting, uh, in Brett, but not surprisingly failed to take advantage of it within months due to office politics and creative differences. Brett was just another one of the guys. They literally wasted one of the greatest performers in the business, the Federation. And on the other hand, he used the strange event as a catalyst for greater things and ratings and ideas. The real life screwing of Brett Hart was used as a springboard for Mr. McMahon, this evil character. The persona that helped propel the company to greater success than once was even thought possible. 
and the renegade stone cold steve austin persona now had the perfect foil to play off and in the corporate scumbag mr mcmahon and the house show attendance took off immediately and i think everybody kind of agrees that Bret and WCW was just a fumble. It could have been so much bigger. could have been so much more special. Should have been. Um, it's a shame that he didn't get to finish his career here in the company. And we've often talked about sort of the what ifs. Yeah. Maybe it felt like he had to pick because of the infighting with Brett and Sean. He had to pick one. He went with Brett. Sean winds up getting hurt in January, just two months later at the Royal Rumble. He's out just two months after that at WrestleMania. He's done for several years. What if maybe Sean would have went to the NWO or went to WCW and Brett stuck around through the Attitude Era? Or what if Owen hadn't accidentally dropped Steve? Steve could have very easily slid in as the opponent at Survivor Series and beat Brett, and everything could have yeah. been different. But none of that happened, and instead it was this. And I'm... Curious, you know, when you show up to that raw taping, you've thought about your family, but you show up, do you feel like a sellout? Do you feel like you have compromised your morals? Do you feel weird about it? Are you keeping to yourself or is it just business as usual? Cause you sort of crossed that bridge mentally and now it's about taking care of the family. I, I didn't, I did not feel like a sellout because I felt like I had done everything that was in my power. Yeah that the only way it was going to make a difference is if there was uh, a show of a strength in numbers situation. And there was no strength because there were no numbers. Of course, it's been a long time. Next year will be the 25th anniversary of this. If you had it to do over again, what would you do anything differently or would it happen the exact same way? Do you think? Well, if the situation was exactly the same way, uh, I would, I'd, you know, I, I don't think we'd have any choice but to do it the same way. I mean, uh, uh, you know, the, we all look at, well, we should have done it earlier. We should have done it, you know, as soon as Vince said, I can't do the contract, the bell should have come off of him at that time there and, and hindsight. And, uh, you know, like all these people uh, on, on these podcasts and two of them on your network say, you know, it could have been avoided. It couldn't have been avoided unless Bret Hart, himself wanted wanted it to be aborted and uh, him taking that stance and that's and I'll say it again that's one thing I've never understood is how he would have felt if it had happened to him in his dad territory you know with one of the talent top talent there you know and so uh, but uh, I respect Brett I think Brett was, was a great champion I think Brett was a great asset to our, our business I think Brett was a, a great uh great person to have carry that, that, that title during, during the time that our business was not doing good. He gave a real legitimacy to, to the title and he, he, he protected it like it was real and like, you know, like it, then it, you know, it's real, but what well, you know what I mean? Like it, you know, like an Olympic gold medal or something like that. He took a lot of pride in being a champion but Brett wasn't the, the perfect employee either. I mean, he'll tell you, I mean, you know, he'd show up at work when he wanted to show up, you know, you'd have meet greets plan and, uh, and the champion, you know, they, even from the Hogan's to the, to the warriors, to the savages, to, to everybody else, they were always there to do meet and greets. And then when you set up with meet and greet with, with Brett, you had to worry if he was going to be there on time, even when the show started, let alone to do a meet and greet. So, 
he wasn't the greatest, you know, in, in, in line to that. But he, when it came to that bell ringing and him going to the ring, he, he, he's, he's right up there with, with the top. I'm not going to say he's best there ever was, but he's right up there in, on, on, in that top and, uh, of, of, the, of the totem pole. There's a whole lot of talk that Montreal is the greatest work in the history of wrestling. Because, they outworked me then. Because Brett made more money. Vince made a lot more money, set the whole territory on fire, and it was the biggest boom in the history of the business. And it was the the match that ignited it all, you could say, was Montreal. That was all my idea, 100%. Yeah, I thought of it all. I planned it all out. You know, I wish I wish that I could say that, yes, we were that smart and we planned it all. Sometimes things just happen organically and you capitalize on them and it depends on what you do with it after the fact. Uh, this, again, if it was a work, I was worked. It's like everybody else. Um, but you don't believe as a smart man who spent his most of his entire life in the wrestling business, this was a work. Nope. Do not believe it. And if it was a work, if it was worked and they were only, out. only Brett and Vince know it. Right. But a lot of other people would have had to know it for it to be what, what it became. What heat, if any, was on Hebner because of this? Well, obviously there was heat with Brett. I think there was. Amongst the boys. Again, I think people had their different camps. Some people thought some that people was thought, bullshit. Yeah, some people thought it was, and some people understood. Earl Hebner had a family to feed. Brett Absolutely. wasn't going to feed him. Yeah. His boss asked him to do something. His boss didn't ask him to do something. Boss told him to do something. Any any regrets about the Montreal thing? None. Do you think that uh, Vince made the right call, and if he had it to do over again, he'd do it the same way? Or do you think he's learned lessons since about maybe a different way to handle it? Same set of situations, circumstances, same everything. Do it exactly the same way. All right, so boys and girls, that'll do it for us here on Something to Wrestle. Hope you guys have enjoyed a very special remix episode. Hoping to be back next week to talk about Survivor Series in long form. Of course, we'll skip this match. But, man, there's a lot of other really cool stuff going on in the company that's not Bret Hart related that we'd like to touch on next week. And then after that, Miss Elizabeth. We'll finish out the month of November with Survivor Series 1992. Bruce had just come back with the company. I just love talking about that era here on Something to Wrestle. Hope you guys are digging what we're doing. Hope that you will stay tuned. Throw us a subscribe button if you haven't already. And by all means, leave us a five-star review if you think we've earned it. Throw us a like if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're not, by all means, introduce a new wrestling fan to what we got going on over at youtube.com forward slash something to wrestle. If you've got a question about next week's show or Miss Elizabeth, you can probably ask it right now over at Pritchard Show on Twitter. I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad on Twitter. And we'll see you next week right here on Something to Wrestle With. Bruce Pritchard. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. You are so obsessed with betting. I don't need to bet. <laughs> you're adamant that you're going to win, and I'm what adamant I that you're not like, going to win. Why does, why does money have to be you're, exchanged? You're a realist. Like, he believes it, you believe it. Why is that? Well, that's no fun in that. It's a conversation that you can have, and then Monday, it's just like, I told you so. I mean, that's Definitely. verbal currency. Nothing fun there. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.